Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. Welcome back to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. Today we're talking with Terry Marcroft, the author of a brand new book called Pro-Choice, Pro-Adoption. Hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. My name's Tim Elder. This is the show all about domestic infant adoption. We give you the inspiration, the resources, the hope, the stories as you go through your adventure of uh, think, what you're thinking about 24-7, which I know I've been there, done that. It's building your family through adoption. So thank you for joining me today. So if you're just starting your adoption journey, you're considering it, or you're struggling, or you're overwhelmed on how to start, especially on how to find a good adoption agency, you're not alone. There's help. And choosing an adoption agency is definitely one of the first, most important decisions you can make on your adoption journey. It can also be the most one of the most difficult decisions to make. Choices are overwhelming. There's thousands of agencies for you to go out there and look. And maybe there's not even one in your area, like for, for us. So we didn't have one really very close to us that was going to help us. So what do you do? How do you find a great agency? One you can trust, one you know you can work with, one that's going to be ethical and just treat you right and treat your child's birth mom right. So I'm going to help you cut through the confusion. We got a free resource for you. It's called How to Find the Right Adoption Agency in Just Four Steps. And these four steps you can work through very, very quickly in a matter of a few days. And you're not only going to learn how to find the right adoption agency, but choose the right agency you can trust all the way through. It's a brand new guide. It's a free resource for you. Just go to findmyadoptionagency.com you'll see how to get the free guide. Hope you can do that because it's an amazing resource. And we have a course, if you want to dive in deeper at findmyadoptionagency.com, we have a course, the online course that just drives in a whole lot deeper into these four steps, walks you step by step, hand, holds your hand all the way through the process, but the free resource will get you going, get you started, and you can absolutely find the right agency just in that free resource. So I hope you go find it, findmyadoptionagency.com. All right, let's get into the interview right now with Terry Marcroft. She is the mom through adoption and founder of unplannedgood.org and a new author, brand new book. We're getting to talking about that book right now on the show. All right, today we welcome back to the show Terry Marcroft. She was our guest back on episode number 76, which I highly recommend you go up and listen to. She was great on that uh, episode, and she will be great again today, I'm sure. She is a mom through adoption and founder of unplannedgood.org, which is a wonderful nonprofit organization that encourages people to consider making an adoption plan when facing an unplanned pregnancy. So love, love, love everything Terry is doing with this organization. So now she adds the title of author, as she recently released her book pro-choice pro-adoption it's time for a loving positive response to unplanned pregnancies so congrats terry thank you for coming back on the show thank you so much tim it's a great opportunity to chat with you yeah and, and i was so excited that you uh, reached out to me and helped uh, i got to get a pre-release copy of the book and kind of peruse through it and then really honored to have a, my quote and endorsement on the back of the book so thank you for that that's uh, fabulous yeah. fabulous and the book turned out wonderful. I mean, I just, I, I wanted to go, and before we dive into a bunch of questions about the book, uh, I wanted to just give you my favorite parts of the book, which I have not done yet. So you're going to hear this for the first Great. time. <laughs> but I want to let you know, but let, let the listeners know too, what to expect about the book. Uh, I love, and it was basically, I got four, no, maybe four or five points here. So what I really love, you chose to have a birth mother right the first part of her story at the beginning of the book and then finish telling her story at the end of the book. Love, yes. love that. 
because the other thing you've done is mix in stories throughout the book from other birth parents, adoptees, and adoptive parents. Bringing the whole adoptive triad into the book was fabulous. I love, I mean, all adoption books should be that way in my mind. But that's so great how you did that. And then and then you really shared so much, I, I call them eye-opening statistics because all these statistics we don't see very often. And I know you've done some research and everything to figure this out, but the statistics about not just adoption or single parenting, but, but unplanned pregnancies, we just don't know about. And especially in the U.S. compared to the world, love how you right. laid that all out in the book. That's great. And then the explanation you gave of, positive adoption language, the open versus closed adoption. Awesome. Everybody needs to know what that is. And even a refresher, if you got into adoption and then later on you're, you kind of forget, or you don't think about those things and you read about them and you're like, yeah, that's right. That's good to know. <laughs> and then the resource mm -hmm. section at the end is just fabulous, fabulous. I love Great. everything you compiled there. So those are my favorite parts of the book. And we can get into the, a little bit more of those. But I just want to share a little bit of a teaser, I guess, to, to people listening and let you know what I liked about the book. So, Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive in a little bit. What, what, why or how did you chose, choose the title of your book? So some people might look at it and go, ooh, pro-choice. What does that mean? And how did you choose the title of it? Well, so after going through 20 or 25 different titles, um, it, it, everything in the book evolves, you know, yeah. it, it definitely takes a, takes a village to write a book. Absolutely. Just like it takes a village to raise a child. But, um, so as, as the whole title evolved and I was talking to my trusted friends who read the book and gave me input, um, that it evolved into that. And one of the main reasons was because, um, there's a lot of talk these days, especially since overturning Roe, there's a lot of talk about pro-choice mm -hmm. and being in favor of choice. And it's my opinion that those choices should include adoption. Mm -hmm. And adoption is not so often on the radar. And so it's so many women choose between abortion and parenting or single parenting. And adoption just isn't on the radar. So if you really want to say you're pro-choice, we should be talking about adoption. Awesome. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds like what led you to write the book, right? That's, I mean, I know you've done a lot with unplanned, uh, good.org and you want to really take that organization and move it forward. And this book definitely does that. Uh, is that really what led you to write the book? I, I wrote the book. Well, I've, I have a passion for spreading the word about adoption and trying to get it on the radar mm -hmm. along with those other choices. Um, but what what led me to the book was uh, realizing that not only is adoption today so very different than it was 25 years ago or 30 years ago, it's extreme. It's 180 degrees different now. So not only is that hugely different, but also that people know very little about how adoption works today. And so it's impossible to advocate for something that you don't understand. Mm. And so if people understood how beautiful adoption can be and how differently we do it these days because we've learned from our past, then it could be a game-changing, uh, eye-opening experience. So I wanted to spread the word about how adoption works these days. Yeah, when you say spread the word, do you mean, uh, who do you hope to reach with this book? Everybody? Or is there specific people you're hoping to reach? Well, 
I'm, I'm hoping to reach the people who are mentoring young women. So those could be parents often, you know, those of us in our 40s or 50s or 60s are in a position to advise the young women in our lives. Uh, and so when they turn to us, when they turn to us and say, I have this crisis, you know, what should I do? And what do you think the right path is, mom or aunt or, you know, people have an opportunity to speak into that woman's decision process and to influence her choice, her decision. Um, and that's why we all need to know a little bit more about open adoption, I think, so that we can advocate for it. When the time comes, you know, whether you're a parent or a pastor or a teacher or an aunt or an uncle or even a neighbor, you know, all of us, they turn to us once in a while and we want to be ready for that moment. We want to mm -hmm. be ready to give some solid and wise advice. Yeah, I don't want to steal your uh, statistic here, but I, I love you. You sent me the book, and in the book, mm -hmm. you included this nice little bookmark. On the bookmark is a beautiful quote. There's a one in four chance the young woman in your life, or a woman, young woman in your life, will face an unplanned pregnancy this year. So when she does, how will you advise her? If you think her only adoptions are parenting and abortion, this book is for you. So I love that. That's a perfect uh, an example of who you're trying to reach with the book. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of shocking. It's a one in four chance. <laughs> right. A one in four chance. Isn't that crazy? So it means that it's not just super rare, right? It's, it's, it's actually uh, likely <laughs> that someone you or your immediate friend group or your spouse will, will have a chance to advocate for adoption. Yeah. So that's why we want to be ready. And then the other part of that, too, is the the men who are involved in the relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're involved in an intimate relationship and and you're in your 20s or even your early 30s, you know, the, the men in the relationships have a chance because that was another that was a statistic that blew me away, really, was this CareNet study that I published in the book that said that out of all women often turn to their male partner. That that shouldn't be a surprise to us that they ask for the advice from their lover. And it turns out that 42% of those men advocated for the abortion. Mm. And that statistic just blew me away, wow. as did the fact that 31% of them didn't give any advice at all. They just stayed silent. So that leaves only 27% of the male partners who asked her not to abort. 27%. Yeah. And how many of those even thought about adoption at that point. Right. That would Very be few. an interesting thing to know. <laughs> Very few. <laughs> well, you, that's what you point out in the book. I mean, that's the, okay. all the research and everything you've done in the book that points to that uh -huh. is it's very, very rare. And that's what you're trying to raise awareness of. So I love right. that. Yeah. So, it, so when you cut through all of that and yeah. realize that there are almost three, un, three million unplanned pregnancies in this country mm -hmm. and if you call them um, unplanned pregnancies, that about half of them choose an abortion and about half of them choose parenting. There's just this tiny little sliver of a stat in the middle, about 1% that choose adoption. And that surprises people. I've mm. known that because of my work with Unplanned Good, but it really surprises people that only 1% these days choose adoption. Yeah. Is that like the biggest statistics that you'd you'd want anybody to know right now is... 
is that the most important or the most shocking statistic that you'd want somebody that's, to know? Well, that's certainly, um, that's the conversation starter that only yeah. 1% choose adoption, you know, because um, it used to be that a lot more women placed for adoption, but a lot more were forced into it too and had a very negative experience if the decision was not made by the woman herself. Mm. You know, if she was forced into an adoption, um, that's not the scenario that we're um, advocating for these days. Today, these these 1%, which could be growing, um, you know, if we, if we do a good job, the 1% that chooses adoption are doing it for their own very rational, practical, health-related reasons. And so um, there's a, one of the other surprises for me in the process of writing this book, probably the most surprising thing I found out in writing this book was how close this community of birth mothers is right now. These women who are choosing adoption, they're researching it. They understand the downsides of abortion. They understand the challenges of single motherhood and they actually choose adoption. They go through that very, very difficult process of continuing the pregnancy and then choosing the parents and placing their baby for adoption, those women are becoming a really tight community. And that just, I, I just didn't realize that until I did the research for the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, do you it think uh, as an adoptive parent and, and people listening to this that are hoping to adopt, um, they're going, yes, yes. Why are there so few? Why, why aren't more women considering adoption? And do you think it's because uh, they're just, well, you already alluded to, they may not be getting great support uh, from the mm -hmm. people around her, especially, uh, yeah, the guy involved. Um, right. But what, what beyond that, do you think, is there more of or less of a problem with single parenting? You're like, okay, I, I want to just parent this child because I can't imagine not being with this having my child with me. Do you mm -hmm. think that has something to play in these statistics? I think that the women who are choosing, the women who are considering single motherhood, it depends very much on their own situation. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you take a couple of different ends of the spectrum there, there are women who have already finished their education. They've started their career. If they're still single, and they choose to become mothers, uh, they are, from a practical standpoint, they're much more equipped to parent than a 17-year-old who has not completed high school yet, hasn't decided on a career path, and has no way of supporting herself. And so those are very different situations, right? But the young woman who is choosing to become a mom at 17 or 18 without a career, without an education, without a um, income stream, that right there is a very, very, I can't even imagine how difficult that job is because they, they do end up uh, facing some very serious obstacles in terms of, you know, poverty and the reliance on government assistance and the lack of, lack of money just to do normal, normal things of putting food on the table and keeping the house warm and, and all of that. So, yeah, so that's very challenging in terms of uh, choosing single motherhood. But I think that people do it anyway, because like you said, they don't have the support of their partner or they don't have the encouragement of their close circle. 
but they also do it because society is telling them, you know, oh yeah, we, you know, we, we can do anything. I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> you know, they, they, they think that they can uh, overcome any challenge and that self-confidence of course is a good thing. Um, but, but this isn't probably the, the most productive place to manifest it. I would have to say. Yeah. And you have a quote in the book that kind of talks about this, where you say Hollywood is framing solo motherhood as a form of female empowerment. What do you, what do you mean by that? Is that you have, why would you say something like that in that book? Is, is it the things that Hollywood's putting out there that's making women think about this? I think we're glamorizing that single motherhood. You know, we're looking at, um, Angelina Jolie and Sandra Bullock and all of Madonna and all of the, the superstars who are choosing to become single moms. And, you know, we're seeing them, we're, we're pretending that they're role models and, and there's not much really about that, that I would want to emulate or that I'd want my daughter to emulate. And so, you know, they're, they're being put on a stage as role models for the young women in our lives but the, but we don't also mention at the same time that they've they've got nannies 24/7. You know, there's right. three shifts of nannies in their home and they have au pairs traveling with them and you know it, it's just unrealistic for a 17-year-old to see that and say, "Oh, if she did it, I can do it." You know, I have to applaud the self-confidence there, but um it's it's not really a model that works for the general public. Right. Yeah, makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, um, yeah. What are some of the biggest challenges or struggles or things that you face when you're writing this book? I mean, I know it's a struggle to write a book. I, <laughs> I, I understand that. Uh, but uh, when you're when you're put, trying to put this all together and and tell your story, what, what were some of the big challenges or struggles you had with that? Probably one of the biggest challenges was paring it down. Mm. to the information that I really wanted to include in the book that I felt was vital to carrying the message about open adoption because everything that I could have included in it would have made it a 500-page book, and that just isn't um, isn't wise. <laughs> I really wanted to keep it to the core message, and then the stats needed to back up that message. And so most of the chapters are very short, and you can get the idea just even going through the table of contents takes takes a reader through the thought process, you know, where we're starting out with um, kind of a review of what's going on in this country. As you say, we're the leader in unplanned pregnancy globally. Mm-hmm. By far, we face more unplanned pregnancies per capita than any other Western country in the world. And that um, our response to unplanned pregnancy, we, we also lead the country the world in abortions per capita and so uh just you know going through the setup and then getting into a discussion about how adoption has changed and evolved over the last few decades you know i wanted to keep all of that information in there but then make it short enough and easy and so that it's an easy yeah absolutely absolutely like you said, it's only uh, 110, uh, well, without the resources in the back, 110, 111 pages. So it's an easy read. Right. Um, and the nice thing is, is, and I recommend anybody listening to this, is uh, even if you don't read it yourself or you're like, oh, that's not for me, I don't need it, I would still read it and 
just at least get the, the statistics and the stories out of it. And then you will know, like I did, how much you need to pass along this book to others around. Because like you said, uh, the person you're trying to reach is, is really those people that could be us that have a young woman in our life that's facing an unplanned pregnancy. I mean, you may not think it's going to be you, and it may not be you right now, but it could be you two weeks from now, two years from now. And that's what is going to help change our culture and change the way we're thinking about adoption. Uh, Cause I think you're right. I mean, the history of adoption and you go through that in the book is so much of closed or orphanages or these things that are in people's mind, you know, the story of Annie, you know, those things are what people think about are at, at a large scale, I think. And then the, there's the few of us that want to adopt that we're like, Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 this is not, this is not adoption. So I I think a book like this is really going to help change the, the way we as a country think about adoption. And, uh, I think some people, uh, I know I've been, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and other things, and there's the thought of, okay, great, but we don't want to coerce any of these young women in there. Do you get that? Uh, do you, does that thought cross your mind as you were writing the book, like the whole coercion thing of, okay, we want to explain and promote adoption to women that are having unplanned pregnancies, but we don't want to coerce them into adoption. Did you think about that? We don't want to coerce them at all because the decision is so much more satisfying when the birth mothers actually have the information to make their own truly informed decision. And uh, it's, if the information isn't being provided to them today, then they're choosing between abortion and single parenting. But if we really fully inform them and make an effort to give them all the information about all the options, then those who choose adoption can turn can turn into the biggest advocates for it. The birth parents that I talked to in the process of writing this book uh, just are huge fans of open adoption. And yet at the same time, when you listen to their stories, they're not belittling or, or minimizing the difficulty of that path Mm -hmm. at the beginning you know they they admit that it was it was a really hard decision and placing their child was very emotional tearful tear-filled um you know it, it leaves a hole in your heart for a while and that needs some tlc to to go in there and take care of that um that wound and then but then they still come out on the other side of that that's why i wanted to have the story of ali at the end of the book looking back 10 years mm-hmm. on the placement of her daughter in an, in an, an adoptive family, you know, they come, they look back on it and say, Oh my goodness, that was absolutely the right thing for me and for my daughter. I mean, it's just, it's surprising to me how, um, how beautiful it truly can be. And then just hearing story after story of these people who've chosen adoption and don't regret it at all. They describe it as the most difficult and the most beautiful year of their life when they chose adoption in place. Yep. And I think we would, from personal experience, our three adoptions, I, I, I would say that absolutely holds true as well. Our, I, all of our kids as birth parents um, were in crisis. They were struggling. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Like you said, very emotional. Mm-hmm. But I don't think any one of them would look back and go, but that was the wrong decision. Not right. at all. Not at all. Right. We have an open adoption today, and the other really beautiful thing about it that I did try to communicate in the book was the day that 
um, when when my daughter Sydney mm. actually truly truly understood and all the dots connected in her mind, <laughs> and she understood where her birth mother's frame of mind was when she was pregnant in high school and making an adoption plan. Mm -hmm. You know, that having all of that information is a really good thing for the child who's been placed into an adoptive family because then they really get the, the reasoning and the circumstances. They understand what went into the decision. And then, you know, then they don't have to wonder anymore. And yeah. having that information is very help healthy and helpful. So since you shared so many stories in your book, um, mm -hmm. which would just be your favorite one or maybe one that you would like to share with the listener now to kind of pique their interest about the kind of stories that you did share in the book? So the probably my, my favorite one in the book is the story of uh, Ricky, who, because number one, because it's a birth father story. Mm -hmm. So he yep. was the one who advocated for adoption. So he and his girlfriend were in high school and he advocated for adoption and they uh, ended up choosing a, a family that uh, is, is still talking about the beauty of open adoption today. So it created a bunch of people advocating for adoption, but Ricky was influential in the story and in the decision, even as a high school kid. And so I, I love his story that he, he bucked the tide, you know, he really uh, <laughs> made an unusual decision for the time and he and his girlfriend saw it through, chose the parents, made a decision that they felt was right at the time. And then now they can look back on it 20 years later and they still think that it was the right thing to do. Both Ricky and his girlfriend went on to marry other people, and but they both stay involved in the girl's life. Yeah, that's I just, awesome. I just understood that they just went to her uh, master's degree graduation. Oh, and so, nice. you know, it's, when it comes full circle <laughs> like that, it's just so touching. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, and you can't hear too many of those stories. Uh, I think uh, as <laughs> us in the adoption world, uh, we, I, I don't know. I just love stories. So hearing mm -hmm. those always gives me hope and gives me inspiration. And anybody listening to this that uh, maybe not know much about open adoption, or maybe you're a little scared of it uh, as we were when we first started our adoption journey, uh, definitely listen to these stories and read them in, in Terry's book here, because it's going to give you some inspiration. It's going to give you some hope and some idea what a real world open adoption relationship looks like. I mean, so many people, at yeah. least when we were starting, you know, our, our adoption professionals were like, well, this is open adoption. This is what it is today. And this is why it's beneficial to the child and benefit to you and benefit to the birth mother and birth family. And that all kind of, makes sense in your head, but you got to reach mm -hmm. your heart and you, nothing takes place of experience. I mean, I, we've experienced it and it's nothing will take the place of that. But the next best thing is hearing these stories, reading these stories, like you laid out in your book. Those are what right. can reach your heart. And the other thing too, is that when you think about, um, what the difference between the closed adoption of the old days and the open adoptions of today's really the difference is around the secrecy getting exposed and being replaced by transparency and honesty and information and i remember one day when my when my daughter came home from high school and she had just found out that her best friend lied to her mm. and she was in tears just saying mom it felt so bad to know that my friend lied to me mm -hmm. you know about something trivial of course but 
you know, it was just, it made a huge impression on her that being lied to felt really awful in her heart. And that's the thing about adoption is that now there are no lies in an open adoption. People know what's going on. They know what the story was. They know what the, what the circumstances were. And because you have a connection and you have a way to get in touch today, then you can always get answers to your questions. There's not a shroud of secrecy around the whole thing or this blanket of, you know, deception is what it was back then. A lot of parents chose to never ch tell their child that they were adopted. And so now we're, when we replace that with openness and honesty and transparency, it's just so much healthier and it's what you want in any loving relationship. You yeah. want to be, um, to know that you're being honest with each other and it's important to make any loving relationship thrive and uh, and continue to feel healthy and feel good. Yeah, and in the grand scheme of things, in in the history of this, especially our country, open adoptions has very small uh, amount of time in that whole history of our country. You know, the, it, really the open adoption world as it is now, it's only been around I don't know maybe twenty years at the most. So right. This is all still right. fresh, still new, still something mm -hmm. to be grasped uh, by everybody in our country. And that's, uh, that's what, another reason why I really love your book is that it opens that door even wider going, hey, this is what adoption really is. This is why you need to be discussing it and understanding what it is. So you do mm -hmm. all that in there. Yeah, and, it's right around 2000 that it changed. Yeah. Or, or late 90s or 2000 time frame. And you lay that out in the book around. wonderfully. Yeah. Yeah. You lay that out very well in the book. So I think anybody reading this can get a very good grasp of where we were and now where we are and even where we're going in the adoption world. And the one thing, other thing, I guess I didn't say this at the beginning, but what I really love about your book at the end is the, the challenges, the call to actions that you make to everybody. And, but, but you've caught specific groups of people. And mm -hmm. when I say call out, I'm not, I don't think you're, you're challenging people. You're saying this is what you can do. And, and it's all different. I mean, parents and doctors and educators, um, pastors, even the, the, I love the sisters section, you know, where you're talking, can you talk about that? The six sisters section, the call out to them? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the call is just to make this real for everybody. Cause the tendency is to say, uh, this doesn't have anything to do with me or my life. Mm -hmm. But when, when we really call on, say the sisterhood section of that, I have five sisters, you know, and the relationship among sisters, it could take it literally like blood sisters like that, or you could take it figuratively and just say all my sisters in society, I want the best for those women. I want them to be healthy. And anybody that I love or feel included in my community of sisters I want them to be thriving in their lives, not to be risking their health, not to be risking their welfare, but to really want the best for someone, which is, I think, the definition of love. Um, if you want the best for someone, then you would want to help them avoid pitfalls and get onto a healthy, positive path. And so that's why calling on the sisterhood, the bigger picture of sisterhood, is to let these other women in our community know the real story about what a, what abortion does to a woman's body and what single parenting 
<laughs> what that path of single parenting can look like and often does look like and all the challenges that are there. So because we love somebody, we want the best for them and we want to also be honest with them and help them you know, make good choices. So that's why in that big picture, it makes sense to advocate for adoption. I'm not saying it's the best thing for every woman in every unplanned pregnancy, but it certainly could be on the radar and it could be one of the considerations and could very well turn out to be the right one at the right time. Yeah. I'm glad you said it that way. Cause that is so true. I don't think you're here or this whole podcast is not to just beat people over the head. Like you got to do adoption because we want to adopt babies. That's not, mm-hmm. what, that is not what we're after, but you laid out so well in the book that the percentage is so low that anybody even considers adoption. That it's just amazing that we're not, doing more to talk about it. So I love that you're doing that. You wrote the book about it. You have the nonprofit organization to talk about it. Uh, Everything that you're doing with that is just wonderful. And I I wanted to ask you one more question. Just what's the number one thing? So if you're listening to this and you're going, why should I read this book? Why should I get this book? Mm -hmm. What's the number one thing or idea that you want a reader to get out of your book that make them go, yep, I got to go get that. The number one thing is that if there's such a high probability that someone in your life is going to encounter an unplanned, unwanted pregnancy, you have a chance to their decision-making process. And the other statistic that I'd like to mention is that women are 50% more likely to choose adoption if the person, if their mentor suggests it. Mm. So if their mom or their teacher suggests it, So that means all of us could be ready to put adoption on the table and to include it among the choices we consider, include it among the alternatives, and then advocate for it with information about what it really means and what it really looks like today. Absolutely. Yep. Well said. Yeah. A lot of people listening to this are hoping to adopt. Um, A lot of people maybe have already adopted. And Mm -hmm. I would suggest getting the book and reading it because you're going to understand a lot more about adoption. You're going to love the stories that are in it. And then, like I said before, you're going to take this book and go, I need to give this to aunt Rita or uncle Tom or uncle Joe or my cousin, Ricky or whatever. Oh, I use Ricky. Sorry. (laughs) The names are coming into my head. But anyway, my point is you're going to want to share that book and maybe buy it for other people just because, it's going to get them thinking about adoption and in you, the listener in your own little world, you're like, well, I don't have, I don't have much influence on people. You have more than you think. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to adopt and you're having your adoption professional go out and try to find and connect you with an expectant mom, that woman could be in your city. It could be, you know, mm-hmm. down the street from you. And closer than you think, and just not getting the information about adoption that she needs to make that the right decision for her. Do you agree with that? Right. I do. I agree with that 100%. So all of the people who are striving to adopt and hoping to adopt and hoping to be chosen soon to parent a child, all of those people have a circle of friends. And I don't know why we have a tendency to keep quiet about our our quest for adopting. Mm -hmm. You know, many adoptive, hopeful adoptive parents just keep quiet about it and they don't share that fact with their community, 
with their extended family, with their church family, with their corporate family. You know, we could talk a lot more about it. And if if we did, then it would get on the radar more, I think. Yes. And then also if we're ready to advocate for adoption and we let all those people in our community know a little bit about what an open adoption looks like and why we would want to advocate for it. Because like I said at the beginning, you can't advocate for something that you don't understand. And so that's why this information could hopefully lead to more people being comfortable having the adoption conversation. Absolutely. Well said. I, in in our experience, I have had plenty of family and friends that don't understand adoption, don't understand open adoption. And I'm, we feel like we're constantly trying to educate people. That's what this book mm-hmm. will do too. You know, here, mm-hmm. I, rather than me trying to explain it all to you, here's a quick read. Here's a very quick read, but it explains everything there's to know about, or what you need to know about adoption. Not everything there is to know, but everything you need to know about adoption. I think you did very well compacting it into this book that is a quick read, but just explains to people without you having to do all the education yourself. Uh, that's oh, great. And, and I'm doing a lot of that too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you are. I have a conversation with somebody <laughs> about open adoption and why I'm so passionate about yeah. it. And then, you know, it'll be 20 minutes into the conversation when they'll say, does your daughter have a relationship with her birth mom? And I say, absolutely. Yes, she does. They're in each other's cell phone <laughs> contact list. And they say, and their eyes go wide, just, oh my gosh, really? And so, I thought we'd covered that, but no, we hadn't. So it's still a surprise to people that open adoption means potential relationship today. And it's really, it's on such a continuum, you know, you can make it what you want it to be. And it's, it doesn't, it's not like super close unless that's what you want, but it can actually be more of an extended family feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, where you, you're not giving up a child anymore you're actually gaining a whole new family. And there's this relationship between the birth family and the adoptive family in an ideal situation. There's, there can be a relationship between the two families where they come together for graduations and birthdays and weddings. And that's just, that's gorgeous. No question. More people to love you in this world is a good thing. Yep. And, uh, just the podcast that I did with my wife here recently, we talked about that in, in open adoption in, it can, and it range, it does range. We have three, and it, it ranges. It's that they're not all the same, but one of them is way more open than the other. I mean, in fact, we just this summer we went to and were invited to and went to our son's birth parents that got married after oh. ten years. So I mean, we were, and he was, our son was actually their ring bearer in the wedding. I mean, it was amazing. So oh, I mean, that's. That's I know. I think it probably blows people's mind to think about that. And believe me. When we first started this, I would have never even, I even thought it even entered my mind. But that's the beauty of the relationship. We didn't just get there overnight. There was a relationship that's been building for 10 plus years to the point where they right. got married and they couldn't imagine not having us there and not having him as their ring bearer in their, in their wedding. So that's the beauty of the open adoption. It's the ongoing, like you said, relationship that you, it evolves and changes and it's not, not one is the same. Right. And, and, it, and it can be lifelong and it can be very beautiful to, uh, to be in a position to offer that support too to the birth family like you and your wife have done. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, adoption does not end when that baby's placed with you. It is right. your life. 
So you that's gotta, why that's why we object to the term giving up. Absolutely, it doesn't. You, you're not giving up anything. Actually, you're gaining. Yeah. More relationships. Yep. Great point yeah. for the adoption. Positive adoption languages. Not giving up a baby. It's making an adoption plan. That's right. so much more well said. All right. Let's. <laughs> I, I, I talk to you a lot longer, but I want to wrap this up to keep our time uh, well suited well spent here not to go too long but where can the audience connect with you where can they go get your book and connect with you so the book is on amazon and uh it's um it's available on amazon today in kindle and paperback and they can contact me anytime at unplannedgood at gmail.com so either way i'm and i would love to hear reader responses to the book and on the Unplanned Goods site, we publish uh, personal stories from all of the triad. There's a section on adoptive parents' stories. There's a section on adoptee stories. And there's a section on birth parent stories. And I'm always thrilled to add more stories to the unplannedgood.org website. So I'd love for people to get in touch. And then, you know, if they want to help spread the word, they could also write a review on Amazon. That would be super helpful to bring it up to the, you know, higher in the search engine so that more people can oh, get yeah. hold of it. Amazon loves, loves good reviews. And I will be leaving one uh, as well since <laughs> I've read the book. Thank and, you, Tim. Uh, yes. So thank you, Terry, for joining us today. Uh, great topic. Love that you wrote this book. I think it's, it's just wonderful for the whole adoption triad. And uh, it's really going to push forward this thought that, you know, adoption is a good choice. It is a good option and should be considered in all of us can play a part in that. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tim. It's been a lot of fun talking with you. All right. Awesome interview with Terry. Uh, just incredible things she's doing for the adoption world. Love this book, Pro-Choice, Pro-Adoption. And the tagline's perfect. It's time for a loving, positive response to unplanned pregnancy. So I hope you got a lot about that, a lot out of this, a lot of inspiration and hope that adoption's really moving in a positive direction. And we're really just starting to really open the doors of what adoption looks like and can be, especially in the U.S. where we are and how that it's going to affect all of us. So love the interview. Um, go to in, infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 101 for this episode notes and any links that we talked about today, including unplannedgood.org. And while you're at infiniteadoptionguide.com, I'd highly suggest you checking out our communities. So we have a Facebook group that's awesome. It's like 4,000 members right now. And just a lot of people in there talking about adoption all the time. Chat, great chats, great discussions. I'm the admin of the group. And and you can get into the group by just answering a few questions to make sure we're not letting just anybody and everybody in there, but the people that really want to be there. So Facebook group is awesome. At, at the top of the page, infiniteadoptionguide.com infantadoptionguide.com you'll see the facebook group and then what we're doing even more outside of that to really establish a community of that goes beyond way above and beyond what a facebook group is is we establish our own community and this is private online but also very intimate in that we are putting people together in these buddy groups so when you get into our community our private community you can get to be part of a buddy group. What does that mean? You can talk to other people on the same journey as you. And you can talk to me very personally. 
and you can have that kind of really close relationship as you go through your adoption journey, ask questions, see what other people are doing, and way more than you can inside of a Facebook group. So I highly suggest you go check that out, infantadoptionguide.com forward slash community. And we'll talk to you next time on the show. God bless you on your adoption journey. See you next time. Thanks for listening to my dad.